The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Chris Sheeran Show on YesNetwork.com and also iTunes Podcast. You can subscribe to it for free. Chris Sheeran, at Chris Sheeran, yes, and Lou DiPietro, yes, Lou DiPietro, here with you for another week, week of uh, hijinks and hilarity as well as... Uh, a couple of ranting and ravings, too, I guess you could say. The, the first thing we have to talk about, Lou, uh, it, it's the James Dolan email that happened back on Sunday, his, his back and forth with a fan. And, you know, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about it, obviously, because we usually tape this later in the week, usually on Thursdays. Um, the, fir- the first thing I want to bring up is the State of the Union address. Now, this type of attitude uh, pretty much goes across the board now. So... It should not shock you that James Dolan, awful pronunciation included, uh, wrote this type of email to a fan because our president of the United States and the Republican Party uh, did the same kind of uh, action that a five-year-old does as well. Yeah. Uh, Obama, during his State of the Union speech, said, I have no more campaigns to run. When he said that, the Republicans all applauded loudly. And then Obama stopped and stopped and said, and said, I said, I know. Now, this is something that a couple of five-year-olds will do. Yeah. I know you are, but what am I? Exactly. Yeah. And it's the people running our country. So that's kind of scary. So you could boil that down however you want and, and make whatever you want out of that. Here are the emails, and I'll read them word for word. First from Aaron Bierman's dad. Uh, At one stage, I thought that you did a wonderful thing when you acquired everything from your dad. However, meaning... The Knicks, the MSG, Mr. Cablevision, Dolan, yada, right. yada, yeah. However, since then, it has all been downhill. You're working with Isaiah Thomas and everything else regarding the Knicks. Bringing on Phil Jackson was a positive beginning, but low-bowling Steve Kerr was a disgrace, capital letters, to the Knicks. The bottom line is you merely continue to interfere with the franchise. As a Knicks fan for excess of 60 years, I am utterly embarrassed by your dealings with the Knicks. Sell them. So their fans can at least look forward to growing them in a positive direction. Obviously, money is not the only thing, all capitals. You have done a lot of utterly, capital words, stupid business things with the franchise. Please, capitals, no more. Respectfully, Aaron Bierman's dad. Now, here is the CEO, owner, chairman. Trust fund, baby. Of Madison Square Garden's reply. Mr. Bierman, no colon. You are a sad person. Could have went with the contraction, your. The colon's implied in this entire email, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Why would anybody write such a hateful letter? I am, period. Just guessing, but I'll bet your life is a mess and you are a hateful mess. What have you done then that anyone would consider positive or nice? I am betting nothing. In fact, I'll bet you you are a negative force in everyone who comes in contact with you. You most likely have made your family miserable. Alcoholic, maybe. There should be a question mark there. I just celebrated my 21-year anniversary of sobriety. You should try it. Maybe it'll help you become a person that folks would like to have around. In the meanwhile, two words, start rooting, period, for the Nets because the Knicks don't want you. Respectfully, no comma, James Dolan. Yes, respectfully, the the boilerplate well, closing that was, of the email. That was a shot at yeah. you know Beerman for. With for, all due respect, sir, go bleep yourself. Yeah, it's I mean, pretty much that. now look, we've been chomping at the bit to talk about this all week. Mm-hmm. I just wanted it out there, just in case some of our listeners didn't have it out there for context. So, 
now you have the exact emails from both gentlemen uh, in this uh, tete-a-tete, if you will, uh, about the Knicks. Now, look, Bierman is a fan in excess of over 60 years. Which means he's got to be 70. He's in his 70s. I mean, you can't really say you've been a basketball fan since you were any younger than five or six right. even. So he's so, got to be – he is a senior citizen either way. The man is in his 70s. And writes a better email than James Dolan did, Yes, by the he way. does. That's and, why I was looking at and that. And he's not the CEO of a – yeah, of Madison Square Garden and Cablevision and everything else. Explains a lot about Cablevision service. Ugh, don't get me started. But anyway, <laughs> I don't want any outages. Right. Bleep that. Yeah. Um, but this is just I, – I just think this is the – this is the M.O. of where everybody goes in this country now. They, they sink down to a five-year-old level, and this is the crap – that comes out of emails, text messages, and everything else. Listen, this guy as a fan, this was my point I started to make, 60 years, I think he has a right to fire at James Dolan. Now, what a intelligent CEO would have done. Mr. Bierman, I am sorry that we haven't met your expectations. I know that it's been a long time since the Knicks have been, you know, back on the back page in a positive light. We are striving, as you said, with Phil Jackson. That was a step in the right direction. I know you think that there was an issue with Steve Kerr, but we went in the direction that Phil wanted to go in. Uh, Enclosed are two courtside tickets. Please respectfully enjoy a game and we appreciate you being a fan now that was off the top of my head or anything remotely professional in that area that was off the top of my head Uh, obviously i can't punctuate it as i'm saying it but i could guarantee it when i wrote it down it would have been punctuated correctly i just think it was sophomoric i think it was um very unprofessional fans could say whatever they want they're fans. When you're a professional, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard, and he didn't do that there. I don't blame James Dolan for the last decade-plus of Knicks basketball where Isaiah Thomas was playing fantasy basketball and circumventing the salary cap any way he could to do so. FanDuel Thomas? That was, that was misplaced trust in an individual that did not deserve it. Everyone is guilty of that in life at some point. We've trusted... Entrusted something to somebody who's done nothing but drive it into the ground in some way. Not as on a grand scale as the Knicks, but you know what I mean. I'm looking at Aaron Bierman's dad's email. And first of all, Mr. Bierman, if you're listening to this, welcome to the Nets bandwagon. We're happy to have you. Yes. Uh, you're not going to like what I have to say pl- in a couple minutes. Please let us know if you're at Barclays Center, and we'll, uh, yeah. we'll come say hello and take care of you. Yes. Uh, and by that, I mean buy a, a slice of pizza. Uh there's nothing terribly – this doesn't say, Dear James Dolan, you're a bleephead and I think you right, suck. Right. Uh, you know, there's nothing crazy in it's, here. It's argumentative. It's from a guy who's been a Knicks fan since 1952, which was 63 years ago. I mean – He's not 20. You know, you know he saw championships. Yeah. He saw great teams. He, he grew up in a, in a world where we were worried about nuclear weapons. I mean, he's got bigger things to worry about than the Knicks. Yeah. So clearly this is obviously – something this is very emotional for him mr dolan's response is basically like 
you suck. I know you are, but what am I? Get bent. Love, James. Yeah, pretty much. Without That's the, great. Without, this, without, this, the, without the love. This is the CEO of Cablevision? Yeah. Because if, if, I, if I said that on air, like if I responded to an email to someone with that, I would probably get fired. Probably. If I responded to – and people e- – believe me, people email us, people tweet at us with – Random questions, stupid questions, bad comments, you guys stink. You know, and look he, at our Facebook page anytime we post anything about the Nets. They called the guy an alcoholic. Yeah. If I, did, if I did that, I would be looking for work tomorrow. You'd be looking for a new co-host and producer. But he gets away with it. What else? So, you know what? I'm going to take James Dolan's advice. Here's my rant, and then you can go on. Okay. I'm going to take James Dolan's advice. You know what, Mr. Dolan? I'm a Nets fan now. I've been a Knicks fan since 1989. Wow. Since I, uh, you know, since I got into basketball when I was eight or nine years old, the, the early days of the Patrick Ewing era, I was sitting on the edge of my seat in 94, squealing with joy when the Knicks and the Rangers were both in the finals and the Yankees were the best team in the American League in June. Every other night. And OJ and all the goodness that came with the summer, I turned 14. They were on every other night, Knicks and Rangers. They were. Uh I, I remember squealing with joy in my home in 99 when they made that run to the finals behind Allen Houston. Lost to the Spurs in five, yep. I remember squealing with anti-joy when Steve Francis, Stefan Marbury, and company were doing their imitation of playing basketball. Welcome to the playoffs. A decade ago. Yeah. Uh, I love the Knicks. I own a Carmelo Anthony jersey. I always loved the Knicks. Professionally, obviously, I know a lot about the Brooklyn Nets and the New Jersey Nets before that because I work here and it's part of my job description. So you know what, Mr. Dolan, I'm going to take your advice, and I am never going to spend another dollar on your team as long as I live. But I'm not going to stop there. I will participate in the NBA All-Star Weekend activities because as a professional, it's part of my job with the things being in Brooklyn and Manhattan to, to, you know, to be part of that. I will watch the All-Star game. Again, because it's part of my job, and, you know, I'll watch Mason Plumlee hopefully win the slam dunk contest and yada, yada, yada. But after that, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to step foot in Madison Square Garden again. Well, not for a Knicks game. Not for a Knicks game, no. I could take, not it, for to a basketball I could take game. it to a Rangers yeah, game. Yeah, I'll go to a Rangers game or a Billy Joel concert or wrestling or something. But you know what? As a matter of fact, I, I've, already, uh, I've already sold the Westchester Knicks tickets I have for one game later this year because I don't want to be associated with that either. And when I move out of my current apartment where uh, I'm only allowed to have one provider of cable and internet, maybe I'll think about not using yours for that either. Wow. Like how about a, that? Like a Band-Aid right off. How about that? How about, how, about, how about you, James Dolan? How about you get lost from my life? There you How's go. How's that sound? Lou DiPietro. Tough words. How does that sound? Will I do all of that? Time will tell. Like Jack Johnson with your Dukes I'll up. I'll probably right be now. watching the Knicks game next week. Who are kidding? But <laughs> you know what? So now, that rant right there. If I actually... Going to watch a 10-win team, really? Yeah, because I'm a Knicks fan. Because right. I, don't, I don't abandon my team in times okay. of... of a, all right. Now, take that rant I just went on. That was all fictional. Oh, okay. 100% fictional. If I meant that, I would probably be looking for a job tomorrow if I put that out on the airwaves. Am I correct? Yeah. Yet, that's okay. Yeah, I, Come on. I, I get it. I get it. You hit the nail on the head, as always. So, no, I'm not going to I, – I did sell my Westchester Knicks tickets because it's when we're in Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it's, the week, it's the week we'll be in Tampa for spring training. But, yeah, if, if I had gone – you know, 
if I were uh, a Colin Cowherd or a Michael Kay or somebody who had a big time radio gig and a big time following and all that, maybe I could I could get away with that for the sake of controversy. If I was Sid, you know, I'd get away yeah. with that for the sake of controversy. I, but that's that's realistically the the me version of what that email was. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, but I got let's be ten. I got news for everyone. Exactly. That's that's my point. Exactly. I got news for everyone who wants to be a Nets fan. Good luck with yeah. all that. Listen, <laughs> it's not so great here these days either. I, I, I've been doing a lot of the studio dates for the Nets, um, and just when you think this team turned a corner, they didn't look both ways and they got drilled by a Mack truck. I mean, they go out. Big comeback win over the Clippers. Who slid? They were in a big-time slide. Blake Griffin was playing hurt. Fine. Whatever. Then they go up to Toronto and beat the Raptors, who are leading the Atlantic Division right now. And beat them good. It's the yeah. first loss within the division. Didn't I mean, just they beat, them, beat them. They beat. They pulverized them in their place. Then they play the Knicks last Friday. And it was nip and tuck. A squeaker. But it, it was a win. That was a yeah. game... And Donnie Marshall was here, and we were talking about it off the air. This is a game the Nets usually lose, Mm -hmm. and they actually won their third in a row. And when Donnie and I left that night, we were pretty much thinking, this is it. You know, maybe Lionel is finally pushing the right buttons. Here we go. Maybe these guys are falling into their roles, and everything is going to turn the corner. And then (laughs) this weekend, depression sets in. And they lose three in a row. First, they go down to Washington, and Washington doesn't just beat them. And I get it was a back-to-back, but they lost by 39. I, I got to tell you this. I was out Saturday night. You may have seen my tweet that I was at the Sound Tigers Wolfpack game, Islanders-Rangers minor league right. hockey in Bridgeport, uh, annual event with me and a bunch of friends. And at end of the second period, I think it was, I, I – Pulled out my phone, hit the Sports Center app. I was like, oh, let me see what the Nets are doing. They're down by 27 in the third quarter. I put my phone away. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll yeah. see you Monday. But, you know, I, I saw that as it's a back-to-back. They had three really emotional wins. It's okay to have one letdown. Okay? <laughs> Once. We go to Monday. We go to Milwaukee. Second quarter against Jason Kidd and the Bucks, they're up by 17 points with 7.42 left mm-hmm. in the second quarter. They end up losing that game by six. Yep. I was on the social media duty for that game and watch, sitting there watching it, it was like, oh, what's going on? What? No. They shot 70% in the first quarter. Now, look, me and Eric Roldan, another one of our producers here, we were talking about it. You're not going to shoot 70%. Okay, over the entire game. No. If you do, you're pretty much going to win. That's that's pretty much yeah, the bottom unless line. Unless you take ten shots, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. If you're seven of ten, you're not going to win. Yeah. Um, but the way they came out in that first seventeen minutes of the game, you thought, okay, you know, the Washington was just a blip on the screen. They're going to be okay. And then the Bucks started running and playing their game. And here's the other thing. I didn't do it the whole game because I would have drove myself crazy, but the first five possessions, they averaged four passes before they took a shot. So they were Hoosiers. They were Normandale Hoosiers mm-hmm. over, that, over that, their first five possessions. As soon as Brooke Lopez gets into the game, 
who had five fouls in 20 minutes, by the way, that night. That's a very Reggie Evans line. One pass, shot. The ball, which is matriculated all over the floor when he isn't on the floor, just goes into the brook hole or the black hole that is the seven-foot center. He's trying to showcase his trade value. Get the hell out of here. Well, he's not helping himself. Look, taking 20-foot jump shots with 18 seconds on the shot clock is not helping your team, which is based on ball movement and perimeter shooting. It's not. I'm not saying Brook Lopez can't get a shot, but you don't have to take a shot after six seconds expire on the shot clock. If you get the ball, go repost. Throw it out, repost, let the ball move around. Maybe somebody gets an open look at a three. I just, I, I don't, I, it, it, it drives me crazy. And then, of course, they leave Milwaukee after losing that. Another back-to-back. They go to Memphis. It's Lionel Holland's um, reunion down in Memphis, his first trip back to Memphis since they fired him after he won Coach of the Year. Yep. And he goes down there, and the Nets, the, the, the Grizzlies never trailed. Never. Never. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a blowout. It, was it wasn't a, a blowout. Game, but they never, they were never in doubt. And, you know, they cut it down to, you know, everybody got excited when they cut it down to eight with a minute left in the fourth. Come on. Come on. You know, you mentioned earlier that you and, you and Donnie, who's probably pretty stoked right now that his UConn women's uh, compadres South Carolina. just clobbered South Carolina. Yeah, well, probably that, be number one in the nation. That wasn't a two-point win. No. When you're a 16-point underdog to anybody, you're not the number one team in the nation. Uh, so just there you go. There's food for thought for you, uh, AP. Um, you guys talked about how, you know, maybe this is it, maybe this blah, 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 and maybe this is the team they're coming together. But on the flip side, that Washington loss was what, the third time in the last eight or ten games they had lost by 30-plus points? Yeah. Maybe that's the team they are. Maybe they're, maybe they're a team that isn't that good, isn't really that motivated to be that good, and sometimes we'll just come out and surprise you and be like, all right, here we go. We can, we can do this, but we're not. Like when they went to Chicago in late December and beat the Bulls there by 14 or 16. Yep. I can't remember the exact total, but they destroyed them that. They were up by like t- mid-20s that game late. Uh, you know, it was like garbage time points where the Bulls mm-hmm. got back into that one. Yep. But this is who they are. They are a mediocre team. Uh, underachieving mediocre team because they do have the talent. And as Lou just said, it's there. It's obvious it's there because in these games that they are winning and they are blowing out teams like the Raptors and the Bulls is that they click. There's ball movement. They're hitting their threes. That's another thing. You know, losing Mirza Toledovic for the year doesn't help. No. Because this team was built around the perimeter with, you know, Plumlee, Lopez, Garnett as secondary Options, you know, this team. Think about it. Mirza Toledovic, Jared Jack shot forty percent from three last year. He's not there this year, but he he was deadly from three point uh, land last year. So Jared Jack's another one. Darren Williams, who's missed a lot of time. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovic, who's starting to get his touch back, but Holland's gotten into his head so much that he took a dirt nap. I mean, mm-hmm. you couldn't find him. He actually had a DNP after starting. Sergey Karras said, Karras you said, can't yeah. even find that. Is the last he on time the bench? I, last time I saw him was on a milk carton about he, a week ago. Is he on the bench? He's right next to Dr. Dre. 
I just, you know, here, here's, here's. I'm gonna say two things. I'm gonna mention Memphis first. They're just, uh, and I'll let you go. Yep. But they're just so frustrating. They're just there. Is they what it is. Suck the life. And I'm a Nick fan too. But I pull and root for the Nets for obvious reasons. It's good for the company, you know. And and it's easier on us when we do these pre and post game shows. And. God Almighty, it's easier for Sarah Kustak when she yeah, goes not, in the locker room. It's not room. Joe Johnson sitting with his head down like, oh, he lost right. him. Right. And how many, other qu- how many different ways can you ask how frustrating is this? It goes back to that 12-win season in 09-10 where Jessica Taff and I were going into that locker room every other game. And every beat, you just, what do you ask? Yeah. What do you well, ask? It's sort of like how every, you know, every other day last summer – People had to find a creative way to ask Joe Girardi if he was going to change his lineup or why the offense sucked. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's the way it is. My first point is going to be about Memphis, and specifically bringing it around to a point about Lionel Hollins. Lionel's system is what it is. The players he has for his system may not be ideal uh, with what he's got. However, Memphis is the third-best team in the NBA with basically the same team that he led to 50 wins. So I haven't watched enough Memphis Grizzlies basketball this year to know if they've changed anything or if they're still running the same way or what what Dave Jorger's doing down there. But He's a player's coach, pretty much. But they're just as good, if not better, now than they were with Lionel. Right. Whereas the Nets are worse with basically the same team that went to the playoffs two years in a row. Memphis, Memphis is pretty much... Um, the hottest team in the NBA yeah. heading into the break, the only, besides the Cavs. The only two teams that have more wins are the Hawks and the, and the Warriors. Right, besides the Cavs, who have won 13 of 14 going into the break. Yeah, they're, they're fine. It took them a little while, and it does. A team full of all-stars like that's going to take and a little I, while. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just got to say LeBron James, if you give him the ball, just get out of his way. He proved that in the game they played against the Heat um, Wednesday night. Oh, that was Lou. LeBron. That was LeBron time. Lou, no one could stop. He had 18 mm-hmm. points. He had 10 boards. He had seven assists. He had this one bank shot where he literally went through Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh tried to tackle him. Yeah, he looked like a man playing with boys. And LeBron still got the N1. He looked like a man playing with boys in that game. You know, that's going to happen. The Nets have had a couple of good stretches this year, but there are. T- this is my second point. Beyond the Memphis is doing fine without Lionel, so why aren't the Nets doing fine with sorry, him? Sorry, yeah, sorry I interrupted. Um, the Nets are 21-31 and 31 at the break. If you cut off the one win and the one loss, because there's 82 games and I can only profile out to 80, 20-30 and 30 is 2-3, and three, right? Just basic division. All right. So extrapolate 2-3 and three out for their last 30 games. They're going to go 12-18? and 18? So this, is a, this is a 33 win. This is a 33 win team. 33, 34 win team. Yeah. There are one, two, three, four, five, five teams in the Eastern Conference, a bad Eastern Conference, that have 33 wins already. And we're talking about the Nets and we're talking after about the last 30 games. Yeah, and we're talking about a team that's a game out of the playoffs. Miami yeah. is 22 and 30, and they're the eight seed. That's unbelievable. So, I mean, as much as this is not. Ideal. I mean, 
they're on the cusp of the playoffs. Well, that's the Eastern Conference almost every year, and I think that's the problem with the NBA. I mean, can we can we do some mixing and matching yeah. and get I'll, some of these Western Conference teams I, in the East? I like what Don LaGreca said about that the other day on the show, but I'll, I'll say this about the NBA before we move on to that or or whatever. I'm very interested. Today is the 12th of February. Mm -hmm. Very interested to see what this team will look like on March 1st. Because I got a feeling there's going to be at least three guys here right now that ain't here. You mentioned Sergei Karasev, and uh, I'll edit that out. I don't know what that happened. You, You mentioned Sergei Karasev, and... He's disappeared because of whatever off-the-court possible issues are going on. Right. Kevin Garnett probably should have retired the year he got traded here. Mm-hmm. Definitely should have retired last summer. Right. Might be forced to retire next week if the buyout rumors are true because he just looks nothing. I, I love Kevin Garnett. I would go to war with Kevin Garnett. As, as an NBA fan, watching him, even though he played for the Celtics and won a title there. It's his 20th year. He just he looks like he looks, he looks like, like he's a shell. 40. He looks like a shell of the shell of his former self right now. Yeah. Brooke Lopez isn't going to be here next year with that op, you know, like they're going to find a way to get rid of him. He's got the player option. It's all in his hands. He's just not the fit for this team. The way, the way Lionel Holland's good. They're just they're just an ill fit. Darren Williams Looks like the shell of the shell of his former self right now, too. I mean, he, he missed, what, 22 straight shots? 22 straight. Over a couple of games? Yep. I'm pretty sure I could play in an NBA game and somehow <laughs> make one out of every 22 shots. I, I mean, I'm being a little facetious there. Well, but during seriously. that stretch, he had as many makes as you and I or anybody did that yeah. doesn't play. So, you know, our, our, our good friend, Devin Carperdian from the Brooklyn mm-hmm. game, uh, yes, affiliate, in his game grades after uh, the other night's game, you know, Jarrett Jack, he said, Jarrett Jack didn't have a great game, turnovers, whatever. He's like, but on the flip side, Jarrett Jack may be the Nets' best player over the last two months. He's like, and that's not an indictment on Jarrett Jack. That's an indictment on the team the right now. The rest of the team, yeah. You know, as much as it seems like, well, how is Jarrett Jack their best player? It's not an indictment on, on Jarrett Jack as a player. It's an indictment on the team that the nominal backup point guard is basically keeping this team afloat. <laughs> The guy that was supposed to spell Darren Williams yeah. during the season. I yeah. mean, so I, I, I honestly think that come March 1st, once the trade deadline's over, once it's buyout season, you know, the Nets are going to have to pay these guys no matter what. But at this point, anything you can get for Brooke Lopez is probably – the best deal you can get for Brooke Lopez is probably best for all parties because he's just not a fit here anymore. And Mason Plumley is. They play well when Plumley's in the lineup. Plumley has had... He's fast. He can run. Yeah. He's active on both ends. He's a capable 20-plus point scorer and, he's, and a better rebounder. And he's a seven-footer. He's a true seven-footer. He does the dirty work down yeah. there. He, he brings the lunch pail, whatever yeah. euphemism you want to use down. That's what he yeah. does. Brooke, he's seven feet tall. Why doesn't he have a lot of rebounds? He's taking 20-foot jump shots. Yeah. That's why he's always been a 20.5 rebound guy. Exactly. Um does he light it up some nights? Absolutely. But he's not, like the rest of the team, he's not consistent. I don't think you're going to get anyone to take Darren Williams' contract, so I think the Nets are kind of stuck there unless they come up with a block. But, like, you know, unless it's Darren Williams for, I'll just throw out a name, unless they trade him for Kobe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think you're, you're getting rid of that. But Lopez, 
Lopez and Garnett seem like the two most culpable, for lack of a better word, the, the two most likely to, to be gone in two weeks for various reasons. You know, Garnett at this point, if, if he's not going to give you anything, you buy him out, you bring in a guy from the – I mean, look at Langston Galloway, for yeah. instance, to, to go back to the Knicks. The kid was toiling in the D-League. They bring him up because the they, best need, they needed anybody. Yeah, He's averaging 12 points, five boards, and three assists a game. I, it's Lynn Sanity Jr. going on over there in the garden. Um, <laughs> Galloway Sanity? No. Doesn't work. Gallimania? Gallimania. Maybe. That works. Langamania? Either Lang Sanity. There you go. Lang Sanity. Um, but I just look at that. I mean, you bring a kid up for – I know the Nets don't have a, a, a true D-League affiliate. They're kind of sending guys up and back to – Thought it was Springfield. No, they they that was that ended last year. Oh, They're now okay. I think Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne, maybe Indiana. Yeah, uh, it's like a co-affiliate. The Tropics, Jackie Moon. They're crazy for corn dogs. Dang, uh, but you know maybe give somebody a look. Maybe give Corey Jefferson some minutes. See what he can do. You know, give Markel Brown well. a little bit more time. You might as well. At this point, that's that that is the rub in any sport. Unfortunately, of being in a position the Nets are in where you're not really that good numerically. But the rest of what's around you is also so not good. That sounded like a Zoolander quote. They're also, you know, they're also as not good as you are that you are a game out of the playoffs. Now, which is better for the Nets in theory? Getting the eight seed, getting trounced in the first round by the Hawks, getting the seventeenth draft pick, and which isn't even theirs anyway. Or finding out the draft pick ain't going to matter because it's not theirs. The Hawks have the right to swap it. And let me tell you what. If the Hawks are picking 30, they're going to swap it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, The draft pick doesn't matter. You ain't getting out of the first round of the playoffs. So, I mean, what do you get, four extra games? I mean, like, I don't – I know that's the ideal goal, but at some point you have to be realistic internally, even if you don't say, well, our goal is to kind of tank it, like, you know, Philly and 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 the Knicks. You have to be realistic at some point and say, well, you know what? We're not a championship team right now, and I don't think we're going to make that run, so let's see what we've got because where we finish doesn't matter. Whether they finish dead last, one game out of the playoffs, pick ain't theirs, <laughs> and they ain't winning a title. No. I, I mean, I, I'm, just, sure. I'm just trying to be real here. I, I mean, this is, this is real talk. I mean, would I love to see the Nets make the playoffs? Absolutely. Like you said, good for the company, good for New York, because the Knicks certainly aren't making the playoffs. It'll bring a couple of extra revenue sources to Barclays. And it'll be good all around for the Everybody. bottom line. But for the team, it honestly means little to nothing if they're going to go play a Hawks team that's beaten them three times by 100 points. So, Mr. Beerman, if you've downloaded and subscribed to the podcast... We still want you, but... We, we still want you to come, but yeah. we're just letting you know. We're, war- we're forewarning you so you don't send... Uh, you know, an email to Mikhail Prokhorov. But, yeah, I mean, it is, that is what it is. I, I wanted to touch on something that I know Don had talked about on the show, on the, on the K show. Hit me. So the NBA being, you know, the Eastern Conference, Western Conference disparity is what it is. And uh, we have an editorial coming on YesNetwork.com from one of our contributors this week about that. But I'm, I'm just looking at the, at the current standings right now, and I know there's like one game tonight somewhere, but... Um, I'm looking at the standings right now, and in the Western Conference, Oklahoma City is the first team out of the playoffs. They're the nine seed at the moment. The defending Western Conference finalists, who had a bad stretch because they did not have Kevin Durant, 28 and 25 after 53 games. They'd be the seven seed in the East. 
by by six games, they'd be the seven seed in the East. Charlotte and Miami are twenty two and thirty, and they're seven and eight. So Oklahoma City would be the seven seed in the East. The next team below them, let's see numbers numbers Suns? is the Pelicans Pel- twenty seven and twenty six. By five games, they'd be the seven seed in the East. The next team below them is dun, 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 Denver, twenty and thirty three. Would be a game and a half out of the playoffs. That's the that's that's the eleven seed. That's the eleventh team in the West. Would be a game out of the Eastern Conference playoffs. So why not make maybe you know what? There's such a disparity. Maybe a thought. Guarantee a handful of teams playoff spots. You win your divisions, you're in. You're the one through six seed. The next two or three best teams in each conference gets the seven through ten or twelve. And then the four best teams, six best teams, depending on where you cut it out beyond that, get in regardless of where they are. And you seed them one through 16 so that division winners can't meet until the quarters and the top four teams, you know, the top two teams can't meet until the finals. Maybe make it the best the best team is number one, the best team in the other conference is two, the other division winners are three, four, five, six, and go from there. I was kind of processing that as you were saying it. So, yeah, I get it. So it would be the top, the division winners are the, Top six seeds. Top six. So yep. you're three in the East, three in the West. They're because they won a division, they get special circumstances. Sort of a modified version of what hockey's done now, with the top three teams in each division are right. in, and then the two best teams in the conference are the wild, wild cards, card. regardless of where they come from. Okay, I, I like it. I dig it. I mean, it would make it, it would make the playoffs a hell of a lot easier to watch. That's it, for sure. Yeah, it would cut the six seed in the East is Milwaukee. They have thirty win. They're they're well above five hundred. They're fine. Which again, Jason Kidd seems to be having no trouble winning there with the Bucks. Yeah, they had fifteen wins last year. And uh, what's that one guy they have? Starts They've with, doubled their win total from last. Starts year with a G. At the, the All Star guy. Break. What's his name? Giannis Atenacumpo. I just wanted to get you to say that again. I know you love it. Um, and his, his brother's on the Westchester Knicks. Too bad I yeah. too bad fictional me won't ever see them again. Uh-huh. Um, fictional you. Basically what this would do is it would take Charlotte and Miami out of the playoffs and put in New Orleans and, and Oklahoma City. I'm in. Which, I mean, think about it in terms of that. Oklahoma City lost Kevin Durant, their best player. Russ, Westbrook was banged up. They struggled a little bit. They might win 45 games and not make the playoffs. And right now the two lowest seeds in the East don't have 45 wins combined, and they're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> I, th- that's the talent disparity that every one of those teams is so good. Oh, brother. It would be interesting. I, it would make for some interesting matchups, too, because, you know, you could look forward to, oh, San Antonio and Oklahoma City will play in the conference finals, and Miami will play somebody in the conference finals like last year. Whereas, you know what, if they're in different circumstances, they might play in a second round. Right. Th- think about the Western Conference finals from last year, and imagine if that was a second round series. That'd be unbelievable. Right? Unbelievable. And, you know, you're not going to get an East and West team in the final, are you? Not necessarily. You can. But you know what? The NHL didn't necessarily have Eastern and Western teams when they went by the Campbell and the Wales That's true. Uh, conferences. Patrick Division. The Patrick Division. The <laughs> NFC Norris. Yeah. But, you know, just a thought. Like, you know, okay. The number one team in the league is, uh, you know, Atlanta in mm-hmm. the East. The number one team in the league is Golden State in the West. They'd be one two. Mm-hmm. They would be one two anyway. They're On the two opposite best ends of the bracket. Yeah, they're the two best teams in the right. league either way. But they would be one two in this theoretical situation. So one sixteen, two fifteen. Yeah. So then three through six would be right now would be in some iteration Toronto, Chicago, Portland, and Memphis. 
Memphis is the third best team out of all those. And Portland is the fourth. So they'd be 3-4. Toronto would be five and the Bulls would be six because Portland is a better Portland's Signed, a better team than Toronto. Delivered. I mean Signed, sealed, and delivered. Oh, and by the way, Adam Silver calling Dolan the consummate New Yorker. Was that not a slap in the face to every New Yorker that walks the streets of New York? Yes and no. Yes, it's a slap in the face because it's rude. No, because it's true for the majority of people. So everybody would team up with Isaiah Thomas and run no, the Knicks into the ground? No. most you know James Dolan is the real-life version of Billy Madison. I mean, let's be fair here. That's a fair, that's, that's a fair analogy. Absolutely. Shampoo is better. Bang. Uh, okay. The the little league continuing story. on to ch- continuing on to scandals and cheating yes. and people being out- uh, outraged and I had this first can I can I change can I make the d- title of this episode outrage sure okay Mapgate Mapgate Gate Gate I coined that phrase with my father in law is this is a horrible aside before uh-huh. you know. my father in law my in laws live in a like gated condo community okay and he is on the uh, he is on the board the, board. the head of the board to right. uh replace the security guards at the front of their complex with gates. Okay. So he had, was having problems with it, and I go, oh, it's gate gate. Gate gate. <laughs> and he chuckled for a second, and then I went into my thing about how Watergate was the name of the hotel, so using the gate suffix is not really yes. Correct. pertinent. Anyway. But in this case... True life with it, Lou DiPietro. Yeah, it is about the Jackie Robinson uh, Little League World Series team who... Um, Cheated. Cheated and uh, they cheated. their wins were stripped. Yep. Um, it was they they falsified uh, boundaries on a map, and uh, to get in order to put together what you know, quote unquote, a super team, and you know, no matter what, that's cheating, and their wins should be taken away from them. Yes, I agree, a hundred percent. Although I have issue with two human beings however, in particular right now, and I'm going to step aside and let Lou take over here. I have issue with two people right now based on the fallout of this. Their names are Jeff Passan and Jesse Jackson, two completely different walks of life. One is a Yahoo, a very good Yahoo sports writer, baseball writer. One is whatever you want to call Jesse Jackson, activist, civil rights activist. Is that his title? Chris explained exactly what happened. Jackie Robinson West, the feel-good story. Monet Davis, all this, you know, hoopla. No, she was them. Philly. I'm sorry. She was yeah, Philly. Yeah, she was Philly. The, all this hoopla surrounding them. They've got this, you know, this great thing, blah, blah, blah. They win the championship. They cheated. They used players from outside the boundaries of the Little League. That is cheating. Regardless of what their race, creed, religion I, I won't say age, because there is an age limit, yes. as Danny Almonte well knows. Uh-huh. And if you want to go talk to him at Cardinal Hayes High School in the Bronx, he'll tell you all about it, because he's tired of hearing it. Um, they cheated. They used players that are illegal. They, they gerrymandered, big word, they mm-hmm. gerrymandered the districts after the fact to build this all-star team that was ineligible to do what they did. This is the equivalent of the Yes softball team getting to the finals of the Stanford City Tournament and me going and bringing in Pete Gass and a couple of you and, and John uh, Flash's brother who played with us and bringing them in and saying, you know, okay, they're on our team now. They don't work for the company. It's the equivalent, as comical as I'm going to make this, 
as Mr. Burns hiring Roger Clemens to be the cafeteria register guy. So he could play So the, the Springfield Nuclear Power Plant right. can win the softball league. Those are comical and extreme examples, but it's the same thing. This is the eligibility requirements. You did not meet them. That is illegal. You are disqualified. So End of story. It's the law. What's Passan's or Passan's? Jeff's beef is that Little League copped out, took the easy way out by disqualifying them for something that the kids had no control over. And that, you know, he goes on to say Little League is the NCAA junior, which is a little extreme, but, you know, with all that. And he basically says, that, you know, they throw their weight around, you know, they're making the money, the kids are the ones making their money, that's why they're NCAA junior, blah, blah, blah. The problem with that is this. It was an illegal team. The, the kids having no culpability in it, I'll, I'll give you that. The kids didn't know maybe they were, did, was that wrong? Maybe the, it was a Costanza, was that wrong? Did I not know that was wrong? The problem is this doesn't matter if they knew they were wrong or not it's wrong i you know if there's no speed limit sign posted and i'm doing 90 and the speed limit's 30 but i don't know that the town ordinance says oh the speed limit's 30 unless otherwise posted still wrong i can't i can't get up on the stand and go well i didn't know that ignorance ignorance of the law is not an excuse for breaking it right and that's what happened they broke the ncaa's eligibility rules and ncaa little league i'm sorry so they're wrong. They should be stripped of the title. The guy from Vegas, he doesn't, he doesn't want his team to be crowned U.S. champions. He doesn't care. He just wants the law enforced. Enforced. Right. And it should be. I mean, look. The same way whoever finished second in the Heisman Trophy voting the year Reggie Bush won it and got stripped isn't necessarily the just Heisman. retconned yeah, into the right. Heisman. Right. Well, listen, I'll go back to the article from... Mr. P. Jeff. Uh, I could stand by his point of the kids, you know, not knowing fine, just like you did. Yeah, but here, here's the thing. Just because they didn't know doesn't mean it isn't wrong. Just because they didn't know doesn't mean they didn't break the rules. Just because they didn't know doesn't mean they have to learn, especially now, that you can't cheat. And get ahead in life. Right. They knew that they didn't play for Jackie Robinson in the Jackie Robinson West Little League. If they didn't. And if they did play in the Jackie Robinson West Little League, maybe they didn't know they weren't supposed to. But that's no excuse for not punishing them. The kids might not be at fault here, okay? But the grown-ups sure as hell knew what they were doing. They went out and basically recruited a super team. Yep. And this is what happens. And, you know, who, who knows? Did they beat Monet Davis? And Philadelphia? I believe they did in the semis. Yeah. So think about that for a second. What if they don't do that? Maybe they're not even there if they don't do that. And maybe Monet Davis's team goes on to the final. And she pitches in the final. And that, to me, was a bigger story than the Jackie Robinson Little League. I mean, having an African-American, you know, 12-year-old. Female. Female. On the mound and going through these teams the way she was going through them, like a hot knife through butter, she didn't cheat. Nope. They did everything on the up and up, Mm -hmm. and they were bounced by a team that cheated. If anything should get you riled up and pissed off, it should be that. Jesse Jackson. It should be that. And, you know, if Jesse wants to throw his hat in the ring on this, why doesn't he look at and he wants to be there 
for people of color, and I, I, I get him, and I get Sharpton. I, I, I know, you know, they do their thing, and I heard Donald Trump talk about Al Sharpton on the Opie and Jimmy show. That's just him, and yep. he, he makes his money, and cha-ching, another one is coming, another sucker is coming down the pike when they say something wrong or do something wrong. And that's what he's done his whole life. He's played three-card Monty with three race cards his entire life and he, made a very successful life out of He has. He has. And if, if Jesse Jackson wants to make a big stink out of this, maybe he should go to those coaches and say, why did you cheat? Because we had an African-American female that you guys beat that could have went on to the championship game. Yep. Why, why is this acceptable? Why don't – you know, one of the commenters in – the art, Yahoo had posted an article about it too. About, They're not getting about, punished because of the color of their skin. They're no. getting punished because they broke the rules. Yeah. And my issue with him is that he only cares because of the color of their skin. Because my question is, and I'm not going to make this a, a discussion on racism or, or any kind of socioeconomic politics. Because this is not the podcast. I'm punching out. If you want to do that, I'll, you know what, I'll call in the Sid show because I know he's doing yeah. that these days down in Miami. Where was Jesse Jackson 20 years ago when the kids from the Philippines were stripped of their title for being out of district? Because they're a minority. They're Filipino. Where was he, you know, 15, 18 years ago when Taiwan pulled out of the tournament when Little League was like, you know, we're really going to enforce this districting after all this, blah, blah. They just pulled out because they knew they were cheating. I didn't hear Jesse Jackson championing Danny Almonte, who cheated. 13. He's also a minority. He's Dominican mm-hmm. in the United States. He's a minority of Hispanic descent. Mm-hmm. Same thing when they looked in the Harlem Little League the year later. You might remember that. Harlem made it to the pretty far into the mid-Atlantic regional. I don't think they made the World Series, but they made it pretty far into the regional. And they were investigated for playing using players out of district. And they came up with proof that said, nope, these players are all legit. Didn't hear a peep out of them then. And I wonder... If this was Las Vegas that had cheated, if he would care. No. I think we know the answer, and that's why right. I have issue with that, is that he's now turning this. And I understand I understand Jeff's point. Like I said, I yeah. get it. About the kids. That I get wholeheartedly. Whether, whether, yeah. they're, whether they're black, white, Puerto Rican, or Samoan, they all do the Humpty Hump. Uh-huh. Ding. It's a song reference. Regardless of race, creed, religion, anything other than age that we don't discriminate against in this country, they broke the rules. So somebody in the in the comments of the Yahoo article mentioning that he's looking into, you know, getting litigious or whatever, said a very similar thing to you. Why not go to these people and say, we expect better out of the community, the African-American community than this? Because somebody knowingly did something wrong right. that should in be, this instance. That should be his platform. And that's being overlooked because we're – because somehow it's racist against the kids from Jackie Robinson West and or other supporting little leagues that they may or may not have come from that we're stripping them of the title. That is, that is somehow racist, but the fact that somebody who is involved with that cheated is just being overlooked. Their wrongs are being overlooked so he can think of the children, and I'm using air quotes. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little sketchy. It's dicey. It's very sketchy. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not going to go into the, that discussion, but – right. It's very dicey. The bottom line is I feel bad for these kids. What they did on the field, regardless of whether they were legal or not, what they did on the field was win the United States Championship. Unfortunately, they did it illegally. 
and you have to you have to suffer the consequences. There's nothing else. Dr- drop mic, insert pause. I mean, Reggie it's... Bush, Reggie yeah. Bush got his Heisman stripped. Joe Paterno had those wins taken yeah. away. They're, they've been since reinstated, and that's another discussion for another time. That's I don't want to open that can of worms. Mm-hmm. Um, but when these things happen, stuff does get taken away at a higher level. On the, and this comes on the heels of Deflate Gate, no less of all things. I mean, but I'm sorry, you know, you look. I'm going to go back to Danny Almonte because he was 14 playing with 12 year olds. Developmentally, that is more of an advantage than well, you don't play in our district. You know, right. I mean, th- that's more of an advantage. Obviously, yes, you're recruiting better still players. Like a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, I mean, Timmy. I know Timmy Lupus isn't exactly on these all-star teams, but still, it's might be an incremental upgrade, as Brian Cashman says. Almonte. But he was 14 playing with 12 year olds. You saw if you go back and watch some of those strikeouts, those yeah. kids didn't have a chance. And that was what made him stand out. Is that no he shot. threw a perfect game with 16 strikeouts. Then he had another 16 strikeout shutout. And the, he couldn't pitch in the championship game, the U.S. championship game that year, because he had already thrown the complete game in the semifinals, and they got killed. Because the team, the, the team as a whole was not good enough to get to the spot they were without using someone who was ineligible, that being Daniel Monte. We won't know, because it's not just necessarily one kid, if Jackie Robinson West Little League was good enough on their own with the all-star team they could have fielded out of their players to make it to the United States championship game, win, and go on to play for the Little League World Series title. We'll never know because it's more than one player. Unfortunately, we will know that they did not do it legally and ethically. That is why they are being stripped of their championship. And we're going to wrap up the Chris Sheeran show this week with a special guest. Um, One of my friends from South River, New Jersey, Anthony Maldonado, uh, has written a book. So Anthony is a published author, and it's called A Choice Made in Heaven. It's about Rick and Ali Bella. We're going to start peppering him with questions in just a minute. But first, I, I have to throw this out there. I'm here at the Yes Network. Mm-hmm. I'm a host. I'm an anchor. Anthony is now a published author. We used to work at a place called South River Video. And who knew when we were throwing video boxes at each other, <laughs> that we would be sitting here talking to each other that is true. about these two careers. Look at Dante and Randall. Now. <laughs> you guys are so cute. That's pretty much the case, yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, buddy. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, I want to just get right into it with you. Uh, where, first of all, I mean, when did you start to write? When did you want to do this? When did you realize it? Um, wow. It was actually, uh, years ago, um, a friend of mine, his brother had passed away and, uh, coming back from the wake, I was at, with my girlfriend at the time and this story just popped into my head. I was at the traffic light and, um, just thinking about death and not to be morbid or anything, but this whole story came to me and up from red red light to green light and i turned to her and i told her she's like wow you just thought of that and i'm like yeah so i didn't want to write it immediately it was just like an idea so i wanted to develop the characters more right let it simmer yeah 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 because the stories i write i just don't want them to be ideas i want it to be you know from the front to middle to the end so well you you got this story you said you know the idea the premise from a red to a green light so Rick and Ali Bello, are, is this just two characters you made up? Are they yeah, based on anybody? Yeah, made up in there, yeah. Oh, okay, so everybody's just made up in the book. Yeah. Um, once you started writing it, 
I mean, was it just a flowing thing where you started it? I, the first couple of pages, I mean, let me tell you right now, the, they'll get you into the book. <laughs> Starts at like Fifty Shades of Grey. Is that I, where you're going with Pretty this much. <laughs> pretty much. It's, Out in theaters tomorrow. Yeah. Um, it, that's what it pretty much is. But yeah, it'll, it'll definitely hook you in. Uh, hook, line, and sinker, and and it moves pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want it to be complicated, and you know, I know a lot of authors uh, put a lot of complicated words. I just wanted it to flow real easy, and I think that's why a lot of people have been liking it so far. That it, it does flow quick. Yeah, that it does. It does flow very, and it's a very easy read. Yes, um, yes. That that's something that's another good thing about this book, and it's. Just over a hundred pages, so I mean, you could fly through this. I mean, after I mean, once you got this published, I mean, what was that feeling like? I mean, it it it, it had to be a dream of yours to do. I know, I know how what the emotions that I went through when when I made it to where I am right now. Yes. When when you got word that this was being published, what was going through your mind? It's still not real. <laughs> you know, it's still not real. It's just like it's amazing. It really is. It really is amazing, you know, and and I have other works coming out, too. So it's just uh, one thing at a time, you know. And it, I think it's safe to say, maybe, Anthony, that, you know, the the subject matter of the book where I don't want to give too many spoilers away because yeah. I, I, we want people to go out and buy it and yeah. read it. But, you know, the the bellows are split up by, by an act of fate and, you know, one stays, one goes. And maybe a lot of people that are very familiar with that subject matter, that they lose a loved one at a time where no one should lose a loved one. And sometimes it's hard to let go and, you know, move on with your life without forgetting the past as well. And I think that speaks to a lot of, that can speak to a lot of people, which, you know, the, the subject of the book, that's, that's it might hit home with a lot of people. You know, it's yeah, a very, very good. That's uh, why in the dedication part, I put for anyone who's lost, or loved, you know, so, I mean, we've all loved somebody, we've all lost somebody, so it, it hits you on different points, you know. So give us a little, I mean, not giving away the entire book, give us, give us, you know, some plot lines for the people out there who are interested in this and who want to go out there and get it, and first of all, where can you get it? That might be... It's, it's available on Amazon.com. Amazon.com, yeah. and, and his it, name you is... You can either get the Kindle version or the paperback. Okay, and it's Anthony Maldonado, M-A-L-D-O-N-A-D-O, so just throw that into the Google search. I saw you uh, on Facebook say it's the first time something positive came up. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, definitely, Yeah, and that, that's a plus, too. So just give us a little break breakdown of this one before I ask you about what's next for you. So give us a breakdown. If, if you were trying to sell this to somebody to read it, uh, just get them into it. What, what happens in A Choice Made in Heaven? Uh, well, like, like you said, you know, uh, she loses Rick, and then she just has a breakdown after a while because she can't deal with the fact that he's gone. So she goes into her own mind and just forgets her family, forgets her friends, loses her business, and just one day he comes to her in either a dream or a premonition, depends on, you know, how you want to look at it, right. and tells her she can't live like this anymore. If she does, they will no longer be together in whatever the afterlife where they can never meet because she's just destroying her life. So from that, she wakes up and just, you know, she goes on vacation, she reconnects with everybody, she redoes the house. She doesn't really want to lose the house because it's part of them, but she wants to change it around just to be more positive. And in that process, she does meet someone else, and she lets go, and finally they're together. 
and we're going to stop you right there because yeah. I don't want you to say anything else. I mean, that, that'll be the teaser for everybody. Yeah. It um, definitely has a surprise ending that you won't know about even if I read the whole synopsis to you. So I, I changed the ending to make it more, uh, just more positive. Okay. And uh, what's, are, are you already writing your next one? What, what's going on next? Yeah, the next one is uh, called Basement Time. It's about these two boys that are abused by their father. And uh, anytime they act up, well, he's an alcoholic, so anytime they act up, which is anytime he's pissed off, he throws <laughs> them into the basement and locks them down there. And while they're down there, the insects that are down there begin to speak to them and tell them that, you know, there's another portal down here. There's a portal that you can go where all kids are, that have been abused around the world. They go and they play and everything's perfect and sunshine. And the, the more that their father brings them down there and locks them down there, the longer they stay. So it's you know it's their decision whether they're going to stay there or not, and it's a little seems like a little fantasy grounded in reality, but again, a subject matter that a lot of people may, in their own way, relate to very yeah. well, and how they escaped their own abuse, you know, their own troubles yeah, as a child. Yeah. yeah, you'd be surprised how many kids are abused out there. So I got I got to say I, I'm going to pick a copy of this up on Amazon today. So uh, I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> you know, we'll give you our our, uh, our unbiased review. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, listen, it really. It's a pleasure to have you on. It, no, it's it, a pleasure. It's, I thank you so much for having it, this opportunity. It, it, it's a pleasure to uh, know that, you know, this is just the truth, everyone. Everyone out there listening, if you put your mind to it, you can do it. Yeah. Um, Anthony and I are living proof of that. So, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Again, a choice made in heaven. You can get it at Amazon.com. My buddy, Anthony Maldonado. Thanks, buddy. Thank you very much. All right. Take care, bud. Take care, guys. All right. Bye. Bye. There he goes, Anthony Maldonado, A Choice Made in Heaven. Uh, I just wanted to give him a little time, a little pop. You know, that's, yeah. that's you big. Know, that's I, big. You know, I can tell you, I mean, my wife could tell you this story better, but her, her eldest aunt was, was killed in a car crash when she was, my wife was eight or nine, so mm -hmm. this is 25 years ago. And, you know, her uncle that was married to this aunt, it was her mom's sister, um, you know, just the way his life has been and how things he's done. And they sold the house eventually because he couldn't bear to live there anymore. You know, right there. Again, this yeah. is something that can hit home with people that it's in relatable. their own way. It's like stand-up comedy. You know, people can relate yeah. to stand-up comedy. When you relate to it, it's funnier. This is something people – it's not funny. But right, this but is something it, – it's a part of life that people could relate to. And I'll, sure. tell, I'll tell you what. Uh, obviously, I've only read a snippet of it. I know you've read the book. Um I watched a movie coming home from Florida around Christmas time on the plane called If I Stay. Mm -hmm. And the premise of the movie was it was a family of four, you know, parents, child, two children, older sister, younger brother. And the parents were like hippie-ish musicians. And, you know, the dad eventually went to work as a music teacher. The daughter, the elder daughter was a, a prodigy, you know, an instrument prodigy. She was very good audition for Juilliard. The premise of the movie is the past interspliced with the present. They get into a car accident, and I'll spoil the movie because it's out. So if you want to watch it, watch it. The parents and the younger brother die, and the daughter like is now in her internal conflict of do I go to the light or do I not? And the the grandparents and her boyfriend and other characters around her come in and out of her hospital room, and she's kind of having an out-of-body experience walking around the hospital. And it's, it's a very kind of relatable, like, it was a very easy watch. Because it doesn't make you think too much, but it right. gets you, you know, right there. Uh -huh. This right here, maybe it'll sell us the movie rights. I mean, like, it's yeah. something that you can relate to. Heaven is for said. real was 
pretty intense. Sort of, too. yeah, sort of like that. I don't know if you saw that, but that was pretty intense as well. But much like Jackie Robinson West Little League, though it was, <laughs> it was a fabrication, unfortunately. Oh boy. Sorry. Well, it depends on your faith. I Actually, guess. funnily enough, I, I ordered off Amazon not long ago a book I read as a kid called "Thank You, Jackie Robinson," which is a, a fictional tale about a, a kid who, uh, in the in the fifties in Jersey. Uh, befriends he, his mom runs it in his divorced parent and mom runs it in and he's got nobody because he's got three sisters and a mom and all that and he befriends the cook um, who's an older African American man and they bond over Jackie Robinson and their love of the Brooklyn Dodgers and I won't spoil the book because you can go out and read it but it's it's like one of those reads it's, it's a quick read it's a hundred pages I read it as a kid in, in a book fair and I always loved it and I bought it because I needed more money off Amazon to get free shipping like I'm not kidding <laughs> And I reread it again, and it was just like, you know, it was kind of a cool piece of my childhood. But that's an aside. Sorry. That's all right. You and, on, do that. and on that note, uh, we've reached our hour, so I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, for Lou DiPietro, I'm Chris Sheeran. Thanks for listening to another edition of The Chris Sheeran Show here on YesNetwork.com. And don't forget, you can download it, subscribe to it at iTunes Podcast. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time.